Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotton, got my man Greg Salerno running the wheels of steel. And your boy Q, I'm live at the home studio. Got a lot to get to in a matter of, well, next couple hours. Robin Lundberg, SI Now, is going to join the show to talk all things Tom Brady, TB12, and the fact that he's not coming out of retirement as he had a conversation. Uh, Alex Tosopoulos will join us at 4 to talk about the NBA Finals. And, of course, we always throw a, t- a question out there, a topic out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r What do you believe will be the part of the defense that will either make them or break them this upcoming season? I've been talking about turnovers. Uh, some have been talking about uh, the whole defense in general. I thought that this was a really, really good response from the 925. Dumb penalties. Dumb penalties goes a long way. A lot of times, dumb penalties will extend drives. So if the defense doesn't get off the field on third down because of a dumb penalty, then that extends the drive. And more times than not, the opposing team will score. So that's a really good one. Those dumb penalties, that's something that, man, we talked about it so much last last OTAs and last training camp. And that was something that, remember the whole, uh, they're not going to beat themselves and they're going to be more disciplined, this, that, and the other. We all talked about how great that was going to be to see that and it never happened. Yeah, that's that's going back to dumb penalties. That's a really, really good one. Thanks so much for that text. We do appreciate you. Joining us now on the phone lines from SI Now is Robin Lundberg. And, Robin, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. You had a conversation with Tom Brady, TB12, and the video was out earlier this morning, and he was very happy and satisfied with being retired. What was it that led to Tom saying, yeah, you know what, I know now it's time for me to hang it up? Well, I mean, he, he already made that decision, right? I think he was more almost annoyed <laughs> this morning when I talked to him. Not at me specifically, but just the fact that that topic had to be broached. And, and I tried to broach it, you know, diplomatically. And, and, you know, I know he's got this thing going on with the Raiders. So I, I didn't want to, like, you know, put him under too much pressure other than just I, I asked him, constantly seeing these scenarios concocted, whether it's the fans or the media, you know, what's your response to that? And he's like, I'm certain I'm not playing. You know, I don't know how many times i got to say it. <laughs> and and it kind of blew up today, I think, because of it was tied into the Raiders' speculation uh, right. yesterday and everything like that. So I, I think it was almost him just getting it off his chest and hoping, all right, stop asking me that. You know, I'm a guy that really uh, believes in, in watching someone's body language. And, you know, I know that you guys were on like a Zoom or whatever uh, as I saw the video. But just from his body language and kind of his, his mannerisms, how almost comfortable did he look and like relaxed did he look by saying that he was done and he wasn't coming back? And, you know, he, this is, he's a pro. He's done this, right? Like he's yeah. done a million of these things. So he was relaxed the whole time. Uh, you know, he, he, he's very polished. So he's not going to say, trust me, and there's back and forth beforehand when you're getting ready for these things and and right before you go and right after you're done. uh, He is the kind of guy who's not going to say something unless he wants it out there. So I I think he was very comfortable because I think he deliberately, and and I was fortunate to get to interview him early in the day, right? So it was just getting that first thing off of his chest. 
because everything else, he gives you good answers, but he's very careful um, and and very um, trained, in a sense, as far as, as what he's, he's putting out there. Uh, very pleasant to deal with, of course, but that's how I know, like I said before, you know, I got that little sense of being perturbed just because I think he wanted to make sure this is out in the universe and, and that door was shut. So I, I do think he's comfortable in it. And, and it's understandable people would doubt it because of last year. So he has himself to blame in that sense. But I, I, I'm you know, not enough of a body language expert to uh, <laughs> in, in any way undo what he said. And, and I, it can't be said any more plainly than he said. You know, one thing that I, I was questioning, and he brought it up in the video that was out there that you put out there on Twitter uh, earlier today, at Robin Lumberg, you can see it on Twitter. He was talking about he's looking forward to being in the Fox broadcast booth next season, and that was something that I questioned if he was going to actually go through with that. With the sense that you got from him, from your conversations, how excited is he about being in the broadcast booth? You know what? I, I, what I noticed is he, he, direct, he said that um, voluntarily. Okay. You know? Uh, I, I didn't even ask him about the broadcast aspect of it. And to me, that means he is excited about it because I don't, he's been hesitant. As, he hasn't really talked about that much, right? And there was even like speculation he didn't want to do it before. So what, what I, what really was noteworthy, and this is all in that same answer, was he said, I'm not playing again. He obviously talked about his family, which we get, mm-hmm. but he specifically mentioned two other things. One was the ownership share in the Raiders which obviously I'm sure your audience is interested in. Right. So that, you know, that's like confirming this is a real thing, this is happening. And two was getting ready for broadcasting, which is another indicator that, you know, that's what he's planning to do and, and his brain is starting to make that transition there. You know, I think he's still a year away from actually doing that. So he didn't have to be thinking about that right now, but, but clearly he started the, the process, whatever that is, of, of focusing on his other endeavors. And other than his personal life, Robin Lumberg, SI Now, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. So, Robin, I've got to ask you, you had this conversation with Tom Brady, and he's going to be making that jump over next year to the broadcast booth, but was he captivating as a speaker to you? <laughs> you know, that's something I think he's, he's got to find. He's got to find is his, uh, his voice and his identity there. Because, like I said, he's very like he's very articulate. He's very polished. He's very calm. All those things, but not money of that. Like, why? You know, I know there's been some backlash to him since, but you know, Tony Romo sort of stood out because he had that exuberance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, other announcers, you know, might stand out. Greg Olson, people like that. Um, the way he's able to to analyze in a very um, layman's terms, right? Uh, so he's got to find whatever because just being Tom Brady won't be enough for that to be successful. I'm not saying he won't. I'm not going to doubt the guy. But I think that is something he's going to have to find. And then you also mentioned how he brought up on his own that ownership stake that he has purchased in the Raiders. And could you sense like that level of excitement? Or how like how prepared is he to be a minority owner? And does he want to be the sole owner of a team one day? Um, you know, <laughs> how prepared is he? I don't think it's too much of a, um, yeah. too much of a, uh, a bite. You know, this is to, to get your feet wet a little bit, right? You know, dip your feet in the, the pool. So I, I think that's what he's doing here um, with the, the Raiders. I, I don't know what his broad ambitions are, but he's still a you know he's still a relatively young guy in the in the world, rather than uh, you know as a, as a 
professional athletes. So it takes a lot of money to be the sole owner of a team. You <laughs> right. didn't have that kind of money. Um, so some of his other adventures are going to have to be successful, but this is how you get a start. This is how you get your foot in the door and stuff like that. So I think, you know, between that and his ownership stake, in, he has an ownership stake in the Aces, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clearly something he's interested in. Yeah, and that's that's where, what I really wanted to know was if he had said what made him so interested in ownership because as you mentioned part owners of the aces uh, working on part owner of the the raiders like everyone isn't cut out to be part owner of anything a lot of people don't want the responsibility of being part owner whatever that is so did he kind of allude to what made him want to go in that direction I, you know what i think it is uh, no he didn't but i'm just going to speculate you know coaching is not a fun profession in a lot of ways right, right. a lot of work uh and and you know coaches get chewed up and spit out ownership is a lot easier in, in many ways, just because you actually have more authority and power and you have less responsibility, <laughs> especially if you're not the, the sole owner of, 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 of a franchise. And even, even in that role, you're delegating, right? So I think, you know, that's why you see that with a lot of guys. I mean, LeBron James has, has ownership stake in, in teams. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've seen it from for Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, so on and so forth. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll see it more and more in the NFL level now as well, where the, the, the greats, the all-time greats, there's not too many all-time greats that you say became a great coach, right? Yeah. But, but as far as ownership stake, I, I do think that um, can fit them a little bit. You mentioned him in your last answer, LeBron James, and Tom Brady did mention him in the conversation that you guys had. But when you look at the guys like LeBron, like Tom Brady, do you think that more players now are th- thinking that it's going to be easy to play up until their 40s because they see the greatness that those two are having and had extended into 20 years in their career? I think all of us think that now, right? I mean, it's, it's changed it a little bit where uh, part of that's modern medicine, medicine training, all that stuff. Uh, part of that's those guys being freaks. Um, but, yeah, I think they, they did help. Um, change it a little bit where you no longer have to start talking about somebody washed up once they cross 30. <laughs> you know, Brady does it a little different than what LeBron does because LeBron has to do lateral movement, run up and down the court, you know, things that still require a level of athleticism that where, you know, Brady is, is moving and stuff, but, you know, sort of navigating the pocket and, and it was just about his timing and his, and his arm strength. He was never one of these guys that was running around. But uh, I do think um, they, they set the standard if you will. Not everybody's going to live up to that standard, but we can, you know, I think we can start thinking of, of the shelf life a little longer. Robin Lumberg, SI Now, is our guest here at Red Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness had a conversation earlier today with TB12, Tom Brady. And, you know, I always wondered, Robin, and maybe you have a better idea, what does a guy that is, you know, all-time great, obviously, on the field, what does he bring to organizations as a minority owner? Like, what, 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 I don't want to say what, you know, what does it matter? But, I mean, kind of, like, what does he bring to these organizations that he's now trying to be minority owners of? Uh, credibility? Yeah, that's <laughs> you a know, good one. that's one thing. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing. Uh, you know, Tom Brady is a face of the team, a part of the, the – you can't get any more credible at the NFL level than that, right? Uh, and then experience and influence, you know. Uh, who's turning down a call from Tom Brady? Right. I'm, I'm certainly not, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and I'm sure people in NFL circles certainly are not. Uh, so that, that's another aspect of it. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, if you, if you were looking for advice, uh, you know, who's a better, who's somebody better to go to than, than Tom Brady uh, when it comes to professional football? 
when it comes to advice, he did lend some advice to Aaron Rodgers. What was Tom's message to A-Rod? Basically, you know, he, he gave Rodgers credit for what Rodgers has um, done in his career. And then he, he sort of, um, without saying it directly, alluded to the fact that there's that internal motivation to say, I'm not, you know, just Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I'm daggone NFL legend Aaron Rodgers, right? And you know Brady felt a little bit about that, or a little, way, a little you know, uh, in that regard as far as going from New England to Tampa. So I think that's kind of what he hinted at there. And then with Tom Brady, you mentioned that, you know, being comfortable now that he is retired. And he's, he basically, he said earlier when you talked about it, he's putting it to bed. He's not going to play <laughs> again. But what do you think and how successful do you think that this next journey is going to look for Tom Brady, whether it be the Let's Go podcast or in the booth? Do you think that he's going to reach those great levels that he achieved on the football field? I mean, it, I, I, the answer to that has to be no. Just because right. he's the greatest of all time in the football field, right? <laughs> or you know, uh, so it, is he going to be the greatest broadcaster of all time? That's that's a lofty goal. I, I don't mm-hmm. think he has to be either, though. I think he just like we, you know, circling back to what we said before, he has to find his identity in that world. What is it about? Other than just the fact that you know, I think in ownership it works. Just the fact that he's Tom Brady uh, on the broadcast. Other than the first couple times you watch him, it's got to go beyond that. So what is he doing? How is he engaging the audience and, and letting them inside his world? That's going to be interesting. It, it really will. I mean, because, again, like you said, his his everything he's done on the field is so great that, I mean, it's, it's like you said, there's really nothing he could do off the field that's going to match that same greatness. But, of course, he's going to try. And so now being a minority owner of the Aces for sure, still working on the Raiders, I'm sure that will get wrapped up sooner rather than later. Well, good stuff, Robin. We definitely appreciate you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? You can just check out everything I do over at SI, of course. Um, you know, I, I got an, uh, you know interviews over there all the time, daily video clips all the time. You can follow me on Twitter at Robin Lundberg. Follow all the SI's social accounts, SI.com, and, and check me out on uh, SiriusXM Mad Dog Radio as well. There you go. Will do, my man. Great stuff. We appreciate you. I know you're at your son's practice. Thanks for making some time for us. We do appreciate you. You got it. Have a good one. All right, you too, brother. There he goes, Robin Lundberg, SI Now. Again, as he mentioned on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg. And, yeah, he had the conversation with TB12. He had it, put out the video. We got him on to talk about it. It's just that simple, uh, really good stuff right there. Tom Brady's in a really good place being retired. He's not worried about getting back on the gridiron. And uh, that's just kind of a, a way to – to kind of close the door and close the chapter on, on that conversation before it really got going. And that's okay. That's what we do, right? I mean, that's what we do. We do our due diligence, and we reach out to those that have had conversations. And uh, Robin was able to, to come on and willing to come on. And no joke, he's at his son's practice right now. He said, hey, man, I'll, I'll do it. But uh, there may be some background noise at my, my son's practice. I was like, dog, as long as you're doing us this favor, I don't care if there's all the noise in the background. So uh, it is all good. We definitely appreciate Robin Lumberg, and we appreciate you. 702-365-9200. That's the Radio Nation listener line. And also the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Throwing out the question to you, what do you think? When you look at this Raiders defense, what do you believe will be the part of the defense will either make them or break them? We'll get to your calls. We'll get to your texts. And I have a question about one of our really good listeners. I'm a little confused, but we'll talk about it all next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Robin Lundberg from SI Now. Join us in the last segment to talk about TB12. 
and the fact that he's not coming out of retirement. That video was out there on Twitter earlier today. That's what caught my attention. That's what had me reach out to Robin and make sure he was a guest on the show to talk about it. So many thanks to Robin for giving us a few minutes of his time. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll have uh, Alex Tosopoulos, uh, the Charity Stripe Show, and Felt and Toss, the podcast, talking all things NBA Finals. Game 1 gets underway this evening between the Nuggets and the Miami Heat, and I believe Denver is nine-point favorites, which I think is a lot of points especially for a team that's been off for quite a while. Miami's still been playing. Could there be some rust? I don't know. We'll talk about it coming up at 4 o'clock and see where Alex is leaning when it comes to the NBA Finals. Uh, got a lot to get to, though. Uh, Going to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels in probably about 10 minutes or so. Some of the sound bites that he had uh, from earlier today as he met with us at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And uh, we'll also hear from Chandler Jones a little bit later on in the show, probably around 4.30. But... I threw the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line, and whenever we don't have a guest, you can always call, call in as well at 702-365-9200, but the text line is 69187, keyword r What do you believe will be the part of the defense that will either make them or break them this upcoming season? Because they're not going to be a lights-out defense immediately. We know that. They're, they've got to grow into a really good defense. We've had really good answers like dumb penalties. I said the turnovers, being able to create turnovers. Uh, talked about uh, just the defense in general, just taking baby, baby steps and being better. I've also talked about the defensive line, being able to get more pressure on the quarterback. But I want to hear from you at 69187, keyword r and 702-365-9200. So get those calls and get those texts coming in. Now, before we move on, I do want to address this tweet that I received by way of direct message, and I'm not going to say the name of the person that tweeted at me out of respect for them because it's someone who chimes in on the show quite a bit, and I have a lot of respect for this person. And I actually have a lot of respect for everyone who chimes in on the show, regardless if you agree with me or not. I appreciate the fact that you take time to call in or text in or tweet at us or whatever the case may be. And the only reason, and I probably should just ignore this, but my better self tells me that I'm not going to ignore this because I'm really confused. And I don't want anyone to ever feel some kind of way when they call the show or listen to the show and think that anybody like DeMond or myself would deliberately disrespect somebody or, or, or make them feel uh, some kind of way. So I'm just going to basically tell you what this tweet says, again, without saying the person's name. I just want to say I've always respected you and supported you. I've never called you out, no matter the day or hour. I just didn't call into the show when I felt a certain way. But you really think I'm effing stupid, bro? What the F, man? And so my response was, huh? What are you talking about? I've only been on the radio an hour and 24 minutes today. We've talked to two guests. I don't have any idea what I could have said in that hour and 24 minutes that made someone feel that kind of way. Because that, that sounds pretty aggressive. That sounds like I really said something about someone that really like called them out of their name. So I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he responded with, you know what you said. No. No, I don't. I have no clue what, I'm talk- what, what you're talking about and would love to hear from you, which at this point is probably not listening anymore anyway. But still, I, I, I would love to know what they're talking about. And then the follow-up response was, I got nothing else to say right now. Have a good effing day. So my response was, not sure what you mean by that, man. I think you're making a mistake, but okay. So I don't know. If I've disrespected someone or made someone feel some kind of way in the hour and 25 minutes, including commercials that we've been on the radio and the two guests that we've had, including – then I'm, one, I'm really good at pissing someone off fast, I guess. And two, let me know what it was so I make sure that you don't feel that type of way because I don't want anyone who's going to chime in on the show, listen to the show, be a part of the show, ever feel like myself or Damon or anyone else 
is going to deliberately disrespect someone or make them feel like that aggressive message just felt. And I feel bad because I really like this person. I really respect him. But it's just really weird to get that message. So there's that. Anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. So just in case that person is still listening, hopefully there's no hard feelings. But if there is, well, I mean, I really can't do anything. I can't please everybody. But I, 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 hate, to, I hate to be that guy. But it kind of is what it is. So now we'll get back to the text. We'll get back to the call. 702-365-9200. All day Raider A hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Fact of the matter is the defense is the most important component of this team. I say this because no quarterback in the Josh McDaniel system has ever had any kind of success without a defense ranked in the top half of the league, even Brady. So truth be told, we need to continue to focus on this defense and make it an upper echelon and productive defense. That gets more turnovers and gets off the field on third down to get the offense, no matter who the quarterback is, more chances to score. That's from my guy all day, Raider A, really good dude. And he's got a point there, and you got a really good point. Again, you're, you're right about the you know, top 15 defense, but the thing it, it, it is for me is I don't expect it to be top 15 overnight, right? I mean, there's been years on top of years that we keep saying, well, just have a middle-of-the-pack defense. I'm not even going to expect it to be middle-of-the-pack, but there's steps that you could take to being better, even if it's not great. And especially now, you know, the way that you look at, at, at defenses and you see stats and you'll look, at, you'll look at stats and you'll be like, oh, man, that team's giving up 400-something yards a game. But how many points are they giving up? How many, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's different ways of looking at it. There's so many defenses as we do previews of teams each and every week, Damon, uh, during the regular season. And how many times does a guy come on and is like, yeah, the defense isn't very good, but they get down to the red zone and they kind of they buckle up, right? They, mm-hmm. they don't really give you a whole lot in the red zone. So stats could always be dis- deceiving. So as much as you want the defense to be top 15, I feel like there's steps that you could take to be a lot better without being statistically a whole lot better. And if people want an example of what you just said, when it seems like they in the twenties, you know, they're going to get a little bit better. Think about the Colts last season, where that yeah. was a team that everyone was expecting. We're going to run through them. They got the Jeff Saturday, but when the defense needed to make stops against the Raiders, they were able to make stops. So that's just an example. If people want to, oh, what game? What could you mean? Right. There's a game there when we were talking to people. Yep. We thought it was going to be a good win for the Raiders, and that just wasn't the case. Right. But when it comes to this defense, I like what the texter said, but for me, with Josh, Dan- Josh McDaniel's offense, we're hoping for the best-case scenario. Some In some of Brady's best years, they didn't win championships. But if you go look at the numbers, that's when Brady was at his best. So maybe the championships didn't coincide with Brady being his best offensively. But I still want to see that offense. Right. You know, When it comes to the defense, I'm not putting all of that on Josh McDaniel's. I still want to see a top 10 offense, no matter how good or how bad that defense is. Right, of course. I mean, the, the offense has got to do its part, but, I mean, the defense has got to be able to complement them, right? I mean, we can go back and look at all the one-score losses, the close games that they were in last season that they lost because the defense couldn't come up with a stop. And Max gives maximum effort. Like, his name has two X's on it for a reason. He gives that maximum effort every single play. But when you're doing that every single play, at the end of the game, man, there's only so much of you that's left. And so there's other guys that's got to step up. And that's why I think the addition of Tyree Wilson is going to be big if he can step into that role and help out. I'm not asking him to be Max Crosby. I'm not even asking him to be Chandler Jones, but be a contributor that they can rely on just to get some reps, right? If he can get some reps and take some snaps away from Max and take some snaps away from Chandler and, and insert him into the, the field as a, you know, with both of those guys at times, that's just going to help that defensive line, that rotation, and it's also going to help the pressure that they get, which I believe will definitely, you know, take baby steps at least to that defense being better.
Yeah, and it's also those three guys are definitely going to be important. But the guy that he played college at Kansas State, I'm blanking on his name. He was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. That that guy it came from the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, man, I, yeah. I'm blanking on the name right I know. now. But I know that's a guy. About. Yes, exactly. That's a guy that I just gave his whole resume, guys. I know who yes, I'm talking about. Jordan Willis. <laughs> Jordan Willis. That's another guy <laughs> when it comes to giving these guys on the defensive line a little help off the edge. So maybe it doesn't need to be the Max and Chandler show and with Tyrese just pinched in there a little bit. That's why they want a rotation, like Vinny said. They want depth on that defensive line, not just on the interior, on the edges as well. You can't rely on those stars. So I do think that a guy like Jordan Willis, he'll come in. Maybe if he can get five, six sacks in this season, like everybody on this part has to do their part. Everybody on this line has to do their part. And I want to see more depth on this defensive line. Yeah, no, I, I do as well. And I think that they tried to do that, right? I mean, a lot of people remember when we had all these conversations leading up to the draft. Well, go get a corner. Go get a defensive lineman. They really bolstered the defensive line, even in the draft, right? Going and getting Tyree Wilson, going and getting Byron Young, right? I mean, those those are two guys right there that can be inserted into the defensive line that are versatile, that can play multiple different positions. You mentioned Willis. He's a guy who came over as a free agent. They obviously have Chandler Jones, obviously have Max Crosby, right? There's going to be some competition for these spots. Neil Farrell, right? I mean, we talked about it. You asked Vinny about him earlier. Neil Farrell Jr., uh, Matthew Butler, what can they contribute Right now, they have the makings of, and of course, every single player is not going to make the team when it's all said and done, but they have the makings of a really deep room along that defensive line. They've just got to find the right pieces that fit that can be disruptive, get to the quarterback. I mean, I, you know, obviously you want to see pressures. You want to see sacks more than pressures, but even the pressures will help you know, go, go a long way, and then you have to hope that the corners can make plays as well if, if they give, given the opportunity, go out there and make some plays. And then that secondary, that's another reason why I'm not putting more priority on the defensive line, but we all know that that secondary isn't going to be the best in the league. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be on the, on those guys off the edge, the interior. Can you create that pass rush to alleviate that pressure, alleviate the time that they're going to have to cover back there? You know, two, three seconds, I think that that's as much as a corner wants to be back there covering anyway. Because if they have to run around and, you know, if the quarterback's got that time to scramble, we saw with Kyler Murray. The secondary, they can only do so much if he's got all the time in the world. Right. So when it comes to those guys off the edge, even a Malcolm Kuntz, where this is a year, like you talk about yeah, guys can he, who, can, 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 someone, can someone identify Malcolm Kuntz? Can he please stand up and make a name for himself? Yeah, I'm bringing, I'm bringing up a guy, Jordan Willis, where it's like, oh, that guy from San Francisco, Malcolm Coons. Yep, yep. This is a guy where not so much a young guy anymore. Where no. you, Last year, you had the benefit of the doubt of, hey, it's a new system, but we right. saw what he could do in his rookie year. Yep. This is a year for him where, hey, man, are you going to step up? Are you going to be a contributor? Yeah. Are you going to like you know make your worth on this team? That's a good guy to pay attention to. I was excited about him his, 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 his last year because we saw what he did his rookie year, like you said, in a limited amount of snaps. I was very excited about what he was going to be able to do year two, but it was a new system. You know, Patrick Graham is not Gus Bradley, and so uh, you, what you saw from Malcolm Kuntz was a whole lot of nothing, right? I mean, you didn't ri- really see him contributing too much at all. So I'm interested because I think he's got talent. I really do. I believe that he could play at the NFL level and, and do really well. I mean, he's, he's got some moves and he's got speed and you can't teach that. He's able to get to the quarterback. I just want to see if he's able to develop. Like uh, Coach McDaniel said today that, that Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler, they've, they've basically been in the facility all offseason long, right? They've been working on their bodies. They've been working on their crafts. I want to know if a guy like Malcolm Kuntz has been working on his craft, working on his body, and how, how almost desperate is the word I'm looking at. Oh, uh, how desperate is he to get onto the field, right? I mean, if you're going into your third year in the league, you're pretty desperate at that point, right? At, at that point, you've got you've to either show up or show out, 
right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to do something. If you don't uh, make a name for yourself, man, you're in trouble. So I'm really interested. Next time we get an opportunity, I know we'll be out there next week. I don't know if I'll be, have a chance to talk to Coach next week only because uh, this show will be from 12 to 3.30 on month uh, – no, not Monday, sorry. On Tuesday and Thursday, on the 6th and the 8th, we have Aces away games. So they're going to be tipping off right around – like 3.30, 3.45, or whatever the case may be. So I'll be filling in for JT. So 12 to 3.30 next week on uh, on Tuesday and Thursday. So And that's when mandatory minicamp is. So I don't know if I'm going to have an opportunity to ask Coach, but I definitely – maybe we'll ask Vinny to ask. Uh, definitely want to know what he thinks of Malcolm Koontz. Like, what is he looking at him going into year three? Because I think this, for that guy, is definitely a big season. Didn't see a lot from him. Only thing I remember from Malcolm Koontz that stood out to me from last season, and this is really bad that this is what stands out to me, is training camp. And it's when when he was getting after the quarterback and they were running a drill and Malcolm Coons put his hands up in the air. He did something that he wasn't supposed to do on that drill. Oh, it was yeah. basically remember <laughs> it was supposed to be a drill where either Carr was rolling out or they he was basically working with the quarterback and Malcolm Coons wasn't supposed to be really a defender. But he ended up getting in the way and throwing his hands up and you heard a few expletives go flying his way about uh about get out of the blank and way, Malcolm and all this other stuff. That's what I really remember. I remember I caught that on video and actually had it tweeted it out uh during the OTAs or during uh training camp that was during the time period where we actually allowed to to film and tweet stuff out at that point. So, uh, yeah, I remember that being a big deal. But that's really all I remember from Malcolm Coons, and that's not what you want to remember. You don't want to remember what happened in training camp. You want to remember what happened in the regular season. So we'll continue to get your calls and your texts at 702-365-9200. That's the Radio Nation listener line. And, of course, the text line is 69187, keyword R&R. What do you believe will be the part of this defense that will either make them or break them in 2023? This is Ray Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Got a few sound bites from head coach Josh McDaniels. He was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, earlier this morning about 9.30. Talk to us. You'll hear from those or hear from him in just a matter of minutes. We do have a couple of calls and texts that I want to get to at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. This one from the 916, that's Raider Chavez in Sacramento, California. He said the D-line will make and break the Raiders, or make or break the Raiders' defense. Oh, no, make and break, sorry. Uh, if they can't get continuous pressure on the quarterback, that'll help our secondary make plays and have more opportunities for turnovers. That's Raider Chavez in the 916. So, yeah, I guess he meant make or break. But uh, there you go. So he's talking about the defensive line as well. One from Rob in Oakland. He said, I agree, turnovers are huge. I think the 925's answers to penalties are spot on as well. I have to ask how the turnovers will be generated. And for me, it comes down to the D-line. We don't have proven ball hawks in the secondary to jump good throws, so the interceptions will have to come through quarterback pressures and tip balls. We don't have accomplished uh, linebackers and DBs haven't shown a peanut punch, so fumbles will have to be generated through defensive line strip sacks and heavy hands to ball carriers. The Raiders have invested heavily in the D-line, and it has to pay off. That's Robin Oakland breaking it down a little bit. And, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, and that's why when, you know, the Raiders were leading up to and ramping up to the to the draft, I was saying that you got to go get some guys that, that have ball production. And I think Ja'Korian Bennett, five interceptions in two seasons, that's that's ball production right there. But, again, he's a rookie, right? And, and all the guys that they, that they really drafted, if you go look at it, they have ball production either getting to the quarterback and, uh, and sacking them, like in a Tyree Wilson case, uh, even a, a Byron Young, the third-round pick, even though he's a run stuffer, he had production getting to the quarterback. But – you know, you look at Ja'Cory and Bennett, he definitely had production as far as intercepting the ball. Uh, the, their, uh, their linebacker out of Florida, uh, Amari, Amari Bernie, 
Uh, matter of fact, that's a guy that I need to pay attention to next time I'm out there, just see if I can uh, get a little see. Sometimes the defense is on the far field, so we don't really get a chance to see everybody. But Amari Bernie, he had uh, he had production. Christopher Smith, the safety out of Georgia, he had ball production when it came to uh, intercepting the ball. So the one thing to Rob's point about you know guys that are natural ball hawks, and Coach McDaniel said this before the draft that you've got to find guys that are are accustomed to getting their hands on the ball. That's why I kept talking about guys like Emmanuel Forbes or whatever the case may be, because he had a ton of production. He's already, and I know it's early, but he's already had a ton of production in Washington, right? He's already coming up with interceptions during practice. And again, it doesn't mean anything right now, but it's habit forming. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that if you get into the habit of doing it all the time, you're just going to do it naturally, right? If you're picking off a ball in OTAs when it doesn't matter, you're going to pick off a ball in training camp. If you pick off a ball in training camp, you're going to pick off a ball in preseason. If you pick off a ball in preseason, it's going to translate to the regular season. Guys like that are who the Raiders need, and they haven't had one of those guys, to to Rob's point, in a really long time. Thank you for that text. I do appreciate you. Keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword r Again, the question that I threw out there to you, what do you believe will be the part of the defense that will either make them or break them in 2023? Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Raider Ray. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Defense, make this or break is, is our defensive coordinator. Okay. Now, look. Fair enough. Raiders Ray right there, and he's talking about Patrick Graham, and he's not the first one that's called in to say Patrick Graham. We had Gerald, right? He called us earlier. I think it was Gerald in Jersey. He called us earlier and said the same thing about the Giants and said, hey, Patrick Graham didn't get it cut then, or didn't cut it out then. Uh, and we've had we've had people that cover the Giants, you know, on the show uh, that, that weren't, you know, real excited, I guess is the word about it, about Patrick Graham and what he brings to the defensive table. So, yeah, I think this is a big year for him as well. Uh, I'll say this, though. I'll push back a little bit. Max Crosby didn't regress. He actually had the best season of his career last year with 12 and a half sacks. I mean, he he was the real deal, right? He continues to take that step forward. Uh, I'm excited about what he brings to the table uh, this upcoming year. But, yeah, no, there's guys, like you mentioned, Merrick, he definitely took a step back. Hobbs took a step back. Maybe they put him back in the slot. Maybe he just stays healthy. I think that that has something to do with it as well. But, yeah, Patrick Graham's got to prove that uh, what his worth is, right? I mean, the, the, the Raiders obviously went out there and knew that the defense needed work. They went uh, and drafted six guys out of nine on defense. They went and signed a couple guys, uh, you know, one- and two-year deal dudes that, that, can, that are still young enough to prove that they're really good in the league but haven't really reached their peak yet. So they went out to do that to give him some more players. Now, DeMond, he's got to go out there and produce. Yeah, he's got to produce with the players, but I am a believer in the defense is going to look better after year two. Everything that we heard where he wants to play more press man coverage yep. or the different coverages that he wants to have, and that's going to take time. He needs some of 
his guys. Now, I don't, I think I think the his guys thing was overblown a little bit last season, but there is some truth to that to the guys getting year two under their belt in what is a complex system. We all give the offense the benefit of the doubt where Devontae Adams last year said it's like learning a different language or, you know, like mm-hmm. the hardest math class. So let's say that the defense is just as hard. So those players who obviously, you know, they aren't as talented. They These aren't the best players in the league when it comes to just the pure talent that they have. So, But with year two and Patrick Graham's coaching, I do think that the defense is going to be better. It just takes time. The line that he had about you can't have high expectations with low patience. So Raider Nation, just be a little bit more patient with those guys on the defense. I know it's not the sexy answer to hear. Yeah. It's not lightning rod, you know, a hot take to just have patience with the defense. But I really think that that's all it's going to take this year for them to, for them to, for us to see improvements not that they're going to go from worst to first but I do think that they are going to be incrementally better well they just that's the thing they just got to be better they don't have to be great I mean again you could look at some of the really successful teams like Kansas City just won the Super Bowl and I don't think that they've got a phenomenal defense now they've got Patrick Mahomes and a really good offense don't get me wrong but they they just make plays and they come up with stops when they have to Right, I mean, there's there's games. You know, you look at just, just if you just took the Arizona Cardinal game, there's no way they lose that game. They, there's no reason that the Raiders had any business losing that at, as they're up twenty to nothing at halftime. No business losing that game. They win that game and they win that Thursday night Rams game that they had no business losing. And I'm just pointing out those two games. I don't. I won't go anywhere else. That's already eight wins right there. Right. So that and that's not being a lights out defense. That's just being a little bit better than you were. Because neither one of those games they had any business. Like, there was no excuse to lose those two games. You can look at some other games and say, okay, I understand, but not those two games. Kyler Murray looks like you and me out there in the first half, and then all of a sudden he looks like he's the damn, um, you know, Speedy Gonzalez or something out there in the second half. Like, he couldn't be touched. Nobody could catch him. The guy's running around for 20 seconds. Remember how long that narrative played on ESPN and Sports Center? All the, look how far he ran. And he never got touched and eventually scores a touchdown. It was like 20 seconds that he ran around. It was right? almost a mile. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, those, those type of things. And look, these guys, are, it's not like they're not out there trying, except for they're out there, they're tired, and they're trying to chase around a dude who's super fast. But if they're just a little bit better, just a little bit better than they were last year, that's already a couple wins. And I think that that has a lot to do with even going back to what Rob said. You know, how is the turnovers going to come? Tip balls. That's what I was. T- that's how this whole thing started. No joke. This whole conversation today started because they didn't catch one of those tip drills uh, at the at, at practice today. Like that was one of my big takeaways. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't have a whole lot that I took away from OTAs because you can't. But those little tip drills, not coming up with it. I'm not saying they're going to come up with every single ball, but man, when that thing just bounced off that wide receiver's hands and it just floated for a second. And then it fell right to the ground. I almost hit Vinny. And, and, and Damon, you know what I mean. Because I've done it to you before. I've been sitting next to you and I'll just kind of be like, man, you see what I'm talking about? And boom, just kind of hit you. Not hard or anything, but yeah. just, it's just like, man, just what the hell? I want you to see what I'm seeing. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, and, and that's what I almost did to Vinny. I was just like, that, you've got to be able to come up with that. And that, on top of that, is a touchdown. And we all know the cliche, you practice like you play. Something that you mentioned yep. that you saw last week, Max Crosby running to the ball to every drill yep. just to kick it. Where that's something that's going to show off in a game where Max Crosby, where he's going to be the first one. Hey, look at him the first one. He's the first one to the ball in practice. He's the first one running to the next drill yep. in practice. Those are those things, just like those tip balls. If you don't do it in practice, are you going to do it in the game? Right. We've all played pickup, and that dude missing. You gonna? Pick, I'll make him when the game starts. I don't believe you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's no. There's no doubt about that. It's just. It's just not gonna happen. And you know. And to their credit, 
I was happy when a couple plays later, and it was only a couple plays later, there was another tip ball, and Trayvon Merrick came up with the interception. And the guys all, yeah, big roar. Trayvon returned it. It wasn't like he just intercepted and then gave it back. He returned it. You know, and, and that's big, especially for Trayvon, a guy who's put plenty of balls on the ground, right, a guy who's had multiple opportunities to come up with interceptions and hasn't done it. Just ask Raider Mac. He'll tell you, <laughs> right? Raider Mac will tell you, Q, 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 Q. I know Trayvon's your guy, but <laughs> – and he's not wrong. That's the thing. He's not wrong, right? There's nothing I can say because as much as I liked him coming out of college, look, you're going into year three. There's no longer the opportunity to put those ground, uh, balls on the ground and be like, oh, my bad, I missed it. No, now you have to make that play. You're a three-year veteran. You have to make that play. If that ball hits you in the hands, it's got to be going the other way. If – you, they throw it into the end zone, and you rise up, and you get the ball. You've got to come down and bounce and turn the ball up. You've that's just that has to happen. That's what separates, good, like, well, I don't want to say good teams from great teams, but mm-hmm. that's what separates, you know, the, the 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 players that are out there and like ball players, right? There's a difference. There's guys that are out there doing their thing, and then there's guys that are difference makers. That's what that's what the Raiders need to do is create and start having difference makers on that side of the ball. They have one in Max. They had one in Chandler Jones who's trying to get back to that because he wasn't that last year, but they need more. There's no doubt. If this team is going to be worth the salt, regardless who the quarterback is, I, I really don't care. We could talk about the quarterback all day. Regardless who the quarterback's going to be, if they're going to be worth the salt and be better than they were in 2022, that defense is going to have to make plays. Oh, I just wanted to mention Trayvon Merrick where you say he got that play in practice, and that's good. Because how many of us go back to his rookie year, that game against the football team? Yep. And that was their name then. Yep. The, yeah, the, sure the was. The Raiders, they lose, what, by three points or, you know, three or two points. Yep. It's a one-score game, and yep. everybody's thinking, if he gets that interception, that would have sealed the game. That was it. That was it. I remember that like it was yesterday, man. I was sitting there in the press box, and Washington was driving, and my mom sent me a text. She said, I think the Raiders have this one. And I said, I think the Raiders need to make a play. Because Washington was driving too easily. I said, I think that they need to put, make a play. They need to come up with a turnover. And then that ball hit Trayvon square in the hands, and he put it on the ground. That was a pick six, right? And he didn't even need a pick six. All he needed was the pick, right? But that was to the house. Again, practice how you play. That, that was to the house. And he put that on the ground. I texted my mom back. I said, that was the play right there. That was the game. That was the, the game winner right there if he could have come up with that play. And he didn't. And the Raiders lost that game. But again, that's how – we say it all the time. We come in, how many times did we come in on a Monday following the game? It was like, well, it was a handful of plays that cost the Raiders a game. That's what I'm talking about. A play here, a play there. It's not, it's not like they're not close. And, and, and when I say close, it, 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 sounds like, it sounds like I'm talking about they're a Super Bowl team or something like that. No, but they're, they're, so, they're so close to winning some of these games that they're losing, it's just frustrating because you know, DeMond, it's literally a play here. Or play there, uh, you know, get your hands on the ball and get your feet down or whatever uh, from winning that game. Like Jerron Harmon sealed the deal against the Texans. They were driving. They were driving, and Jerron Harmon jumped that ball and took it to the house, and everyone knew, okay, game, set, match. That's a game-changing play. That's a game winner right there. They've got to have more of those type plays as opposed to, oops, I almost had it. Well, I broke up the ball. Yeah, but you didn't turn it over, create a turnover, and then – well, they got another down, and when you get that other down, just like in baseball, when you get an extra out, normally the other team, they capitalize on it. 
And then the two games you mentioned from this past season, the game against the Rams, I forget who texted it in, dumb penalties, Jerry Tillery. Yeah. Where it's all a combination. It's not just one play and you don't want to single out one player. You're the reason we lost the game. Right. But it's just those combination of plays where if you guys can get your hands on the ball more and cut down on the dumb penalties, I'm not saying it's going to be the best defense in the league. But if you eliminate those two things, Mm -hmm. who knows how good this defense could be. Right. Eliminate the dumb penalties and – Get those turnovers when your hands touch the ball. Right, exactly. I mean, again, and it's all habit forming. So if they're starting to make plays like this in OTAs, hopefully they'll make more of these plays when it's training camp. Hopefully they'll make more of these plays in preseason. And hopefully they'll make a lot more of the plays in the regular season. And on the flip side of that, you know, let's not forget, also, don't turn the ball over. Don't have dumb penalties on offense where the where the offense has to get off the field, right? I mean, I, I'm spending a lot of time on defense today because you know I, I don't think that we talk about the defense enough, you know, at, at times. They they've got to be able to offensively sustain drives, and a lot of times the ways drives don't get sustained is by a dumb penalty, a holding on first down. All of a sudden, instead of first and ten or maybe a four yard gain by Jacobs, then all of a sudden it's a first and twenty, and then you're behind the sticks, and then what? Right, and then all of a sudden you got to drop back to pass, and maybe there's a sack, or maybe there's another holding. Now, so you look, it's like first and thirty. Like, what the hell's going on? Then that's basically a wasted uh, possession. Now, I said, I'm not saying that happens all the time, but you get what I'm saying. A penalty here, a penalty there. All of a sudden, you get behind the sticks, and you're in a bad situation. You're in a bad position. So, uh, keep those texts coming. We definitely appreciate them at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. I know I said that we'll get to some Josh McDaniel sound. We will. We'll also get to some Chandler Jones sound before it's all said and done. But coming up next, we're going to kick off hour number three of the show. Alex Tosopoulos, Charity Stripe Show, and also Felton Toss. He's going to join the show to break down the NBA Finals. Game one. That's this evening. We'll talk about it next on Radio Nation Radio 920.